Welcome to the Writer Dojo with your host, Steve Diamond. That would be me. And Larry Correa. Sup, homies? Today's episode, Outlining versus Discovery, Round 1. Right? All right, Larry. Here we go. This is it. This is this is the bone of contention that I think that I think all authors have against each other. Uh, well, I, I, we argue about it on the internet all day. I every am firmly day. in. Uh, I am firmly in one camp. And you're wrong. <laughs> well, we'll see about that. We'll we'll go through and we'll we'll first we'll tell these guys what we mean because a lot of people this might be uh, they don't know what we're talking about here. Absolutely. But for uh, you guys that are just starting out, uh, there's two basic philosophies of writing, of how you write a book, how you write a story. There's outlining, where you go through and you kind of have a plan in advance and you make kind of notes as to where you want the story to go. They don't have to be super in-depth. You have a beginning, a middle, and an end written down is where you're going to have stuff happen. And then there's discovery writing, also which is where... pantsing. No, no. We're never going to call it that on this podcast. <laughs> and anyone who says so is evil and stupid and dumb. We'll go with discovery writing. We'll go with discovery writing. Sounds more civilized. It does. It does. The other one sounds like you're in middle school and in the gym and someone comes up behind you and yanks your, your shorts down. Which is about how well it works. You shut your mouth. <laughs> So discovery writing is more along the process of you, you start out with an idea. Sometimes you know the vague direction in which you're heading. Sometimes you don't. And you just go. And you let the creative process kind of pull you or drag you along with it. And to be noted, there are some extremely successful writers that use both methods. Indeed. And uh, these are also not, this is not a switch that you flip from off to on, but it's kind of a sliding scale. Some people are far more religious in their outlining. And some people are, uh, you know, they're kind of a combination of the two where they'll have a very loose outline and then uh, they have a lot of freedom in that. Yeah, the reality is very few people are on the polar extremes of this scale. Everyone's kind of squishy in the middle, doing different pieces of it, borrowing from one to yep. the other. Stephen, and different circumstances Well, Stephen will King is, uh, one, is probably the most successful discovery writer. Yes. I, I, would, I would say, which, to be fair, though, he's one of the most successful writers period like he just happens to be a discovery writer yeah in like the history of the universe right uh i mean so the guy the guy is extremely successful but he doesn't know where the story is going to go he just writes mm -hmm. and uh now here's the thing though but but to criticize a guy who makes a lot more money than me um and so a lot of his fans are just telling me i'm stupid and i'm wrong but <laughs> i'll I think the biggest weakness Stephen King has as a writer is the endings. Absolutely. The finales of his books. Absolutely. And I think that's telling because I think he is a discovery writer. He just kind of writes to the end and then aliens did it or God's finger comes out of heaven. Right. Or, you know, and, and sometimes that works and other times you're just kind of scratching your head. You know, I, we, we talked about in a previous episode the idea of, of when, you, when you start any project, you have this enthusiasm, you know. You know, shoot, let, let, well, let, let's keep on the Stephen King train because if we make fun of him a little bit, it doesn't matter because he's so much bigger than us. It, he, could just have a, he could just have us killed. Exactly. So let's talk about The Stand for a sec. The Stand, I think, uh, in the horror community, because, again, I'm a horror guy, The Stand is often revered as one of the single greatest pieces of horror fiction ever written. I completely disagree. Um, I think that the first chunk of that book is one of the most brilliant pieces ever written. You know, the, the release of the virus and everything that starts the whole apocalypse yeah, and yada, yada. Fair. It's, it's riveting. It's excellent. I can almost, you know, ha ha having done this now, having written both from outline and as a discovery writer, 
I can almost see the dude's brain working. It's terrifying. I can almost see the bra- the dude's brain working. And it's, I can see his enthusiasm at the very beginning of the novel and then how it kind of peters out when you get into the murky middle of any writing project. Now, like you said, though, his one of his greatest weaknesses is the ending. And in fact, in the movie It, uh, in the in the, the remake that they just did in, in volume two, the, he even makes fun of himself in there for it, right? Now, and, and I think that that is the very real issue with discovery. Writing. I think that's probably the biggest danger. Absolutely. I, I, I see all too often people who are discovery writers get into a project and they're very, very excited. Um, and then they write themselves into a corner or what I call, and I do this in outlining too, I call going up the wrong hill. Yeah. And like I, I've trudged up this hill. I've written the 10,000 words or whatever to get to the top of the hill. I get to the top of the hill and I look around and I was like, oh crap, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that that's why anytime that I ever do a discovery writing project, um, rather than just sit down and, and start happily clacking away at a keyboard, the first thing I do is I go, okay, I know where I want to start. Because for me, again, as I've, as I've said before, that's the easy part for me. I always know where I like that's to start. That's that contagious enthusiasm yeah, idea. You know, I get excited. Yeah. However, I also always try to think, okay, where do I want to end up? Because if I know where I want to end up, that, that windy, murky, misty path to get there, um, See, at least I a, have a direction. Then you're kind of doing a combo there. Yes, yes. I'm shading I'm shading in towards the middle, as we say. Again, yeah. none of us are truly one thing or another. Yeah. I mean, I can make the same argument about outlining, right? Oh, yeah. I can make the argument that, that when you're outlining, actually what you're doing is you're truly discovery writing within the framework of an outline. Yeah, you're doing a loose skeleton Absolutely. discovery right. Now, it's interesting, too, because the weakness, because uh, like I said, being fair here, they both have serious weaknesses. So what is the weaknesses, in your opinion, of outlining? Outlining is where people, they get a little too religious in it, and mm-hmm. that they make it, and they've made the outline, and now, by golly, they're going to stick to that outline, do or die. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is the way your brain works as a creative writer is you're writing, you're coming up with better ideas. Especially from your outline, you don't really know the characters that well yet. You don't really know the story that well yet. But once you get deeper into the weeds, you're going to get to know these people better, and they're going to become more alive to you, more real. And then all new possibilities are going to open up. So if you're too religious and strict, you're going to, no, you must stay upon the path. Well, the thing is, what if you thought of something cooler? So what you run into then is if you're too uh, religiously adherent to your outline that you've made, you're depriving yourself of fun. You know, you got to let your outline evolve. So I am an outliner, but I'm also kind of a loose outliner in that if I'm writing and all of a sudden I think of something like, whoa, this is way more awesome. I won't just immediately do the awesome thing. I'll think it through first to make sure I'm not going to blow up the whole universe. Then I'll proceed. So actually what it is, I have like an evolving outline as I go. That, that's kind of like my personal thing. And plus my outlines, um, some people, the other danger is they'll get way too into the outline process and never get off their butts to write. Uh, you see this all the time where people are like, okay, I'm going to outline and outline and outline. I'm going to plan. I'm going to write up character dossiers for every single person in the universe. I'm going to have all the history and the world building and I'm going to write a giant almanac. You know, and they have to do all this crap, but they never actually write the friggin' book. And right. they'll, they'll spend five years prepping in the time the rest of us wrote 10 books and got paid you know so that's one of those uh you know you can't over prep i think one of the big dangers i see is and this is part of the reason why i think you see so many horror authors 
that tend to trend towards the discovery writing aspect. A little more visceral. A little more visceral. Um, you know, when you start planning out in an outline exactly how a murder is going to occur and how the blood and stuff is going to be sprayed and the and the smells associated with the scene and and so on and so forth, suddenly it doesn't feel in your face enough. It starts feeling a little canned. Yeah. And I think and I think that that's why you see guys like like your Joe Lansdales, your Robert McCammons, your your Stephen Kings. Um, that, that that's why they tend to trend towards the idea of discovery writing. Is Lonsdale a discovery guy? Yeah. Oh, man, because he's so good. He's fantastic. Okay, if you guys haven't read Joe Lonsdale, Joe Lonsdale's awesome. Oh, absolutely. In McCammon's fact, McCammon's good, too, but I've only he, read a couple of McCammon's. Joe Lonsdale has a book coming out uh, fairly shortly here that's going to be awesome. Yeah, so, these, these, guys are, these guys are really good. Um, I was going to say, there, there's, there's pros and cons to both. The one that I actually am primarily a discovery writer on is short fiction. Absolutely. See, on short fiction, a lot of times you don't really have the room. We'll talk about short stories and selling short stories in another episode. But with a short story, you're only working at like 5,000, maybe 10,000 words tops. An outline on that is oftentimes kind of pointless unless you're doing something really complicated. You know, the one time that I, I'm with you 100%, by the way, um, when it comes to short stories, I don't outline them at all. What's the point? I will a little bit, but usually it's like, I'm talking like a paragraph. Sure, <laughs> you know sure. I mean, it's like very, sure. very, very little. Yeah, for, for my story in Noir Fatal, the first uh, the first anthology that you put together with Casey Azell. Great. That's a great story, by the way. So the, the story I put in there, The Privileges of Violence, it's a, it's a prequel story to the novel uh, Servants of War that Larry and I have written. And my, my outline for that was basically, well... I've got a guy, he's going to become a super dirtbag secret policeman, and he's going to steal a thing. Maybe. And at the <laughs> end, well, bad things happen. The end. Yeah, pretty You know, much. That, that's pretty much my outline. However, do you remember when we wrote for Privateer Press? Mm -hmm. My short story for there, when I did the Darton Villman story for them, my outline was 3,500 words for that. For oh. that short story. Oh my gosh, that's brutal. And I sent, I would send it in, and they would send it back and say, "No, no, we need more detail in your outline." Okay, now the guys, what you talk about is uh, that's writing for other people's IP. So Privateer Press is a game company, and they hired Steve to do a short story for him. And uh, see, so when it's when you're writing in somebody else's universe, all of a sudden the outlining process becomes vital because Absolutely. they're not going to approve this unless it absolutely fits into the rules of their universe. Um, and so IP writing is an entirely different beast. And yeah, so actually it's true too, because the I wrote two novels for these same guys and they're good. Into the Storm, Into the Wild. I, I liked them a lot. They're very fun, kind of a dirty dozen fantasy story. Um, on those, I did more outlining for these probably 100,000 word novels than I would do for like an epic fantasy series of... Yeah. Okay, I did more outlining for those little novels than I did for Son of the Black Sword. Yeah. Which is a big epic fantasy series of mine. Um so a lot of times you outline according to the parameters of the job, but like, boy, I tell you, 3,500 words outlined for a 10,000 word short story. Is, Man, screw that. Yeah, screw that. That's, that's horrible. That's, that's brutal. Yeah. That, that sucks all the fun out of the universe. Now, now before, we, uh, before we move on and talk about all of the benefits, I think we'll save that for the second half of the, the back end of the show, the benefits and why we do it and how we do it. The one thing that I that I also want to talk about is is collaborating. Oh yeah, very different beast. So again, I am self-admittedly 
very heavily a discovery writer, and Larry has admitted that he's, he's very heavily a outliner. However, when it comes to collaborations like the one that Larry and I are doing, outlining. Yeah. Outline, outline, it outline. It is probably... I don't even. I can't even imagine. Well, actually, I can because me, well, I have. Okay, so to Dead Six. Okay, yeah, there, sure. So it can be done, but this is really uh, so many years. So just for the record, um, I have collaborated on novels with Steve, uh, Sarah Hoyt, John Ringo, Mike Coopery, Mike Coopery, John Brown. Uh, okay, so and another one that's has it been announced yet? Uh, no. Okay. okay, but I haven't. Uh, well, actually, no. By the time this area, oh yeah, so Jason Cordova. Yeah. But that one I haven't really done my part yet. So right. Uh, that one Jason's put in the scut work, and I haven't done much yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had six. I've, I've I have collaborated on novels with six different authors now. Um, so I've probably done this more than most people. Yeah. Um, that said, outlining. Okay, so if it's a normal collaboration where you guys team up at the beginning. And you come up with a story together, an outline is vital because then one of you is going to go through and do most of the scut work. Or you're going to trade scut work back and forth. But really, it's very important that you're on the same page. If you had two people discovery writing, it gets kind of crazy. Yeah, no way. But then again, I've done I've done, uh, I've done, done collaborations like the John Ringo one where John Ringo basically wrote a giant bunch of stuff and then brought it to me in one of my universes. And then, then I took that and turned it into a collaboration. So I was different. So even though I was, it was my universe, it was his story that he came up with. But then the only one I could think of that actually fits the, the discovery writing process was me and Mike Coopery for Dead Six. Because that started out as an internet serial where Mike Coopery was writing a story and he would post a scene. And then I came in and I would post a scene of the same story from a different character the next day. And we tag teamed back and forth uh, for the whole summer. And at the end had a, basically a novel that years later we turned into the novel Dead right. Six. The thing is, that was a that was a fly by your seat of your pants. Uh, just shut your mouth. <laughs> discovery writing thing. That was an oddity, though. And the fact that it actually came out and had a coherent beginning, middle, and end, and a coherent plot the whole time was like winning the lottery. That was a fluke that yeah. that actually worked for how little we coordinated. All right, everyone. I think that what we're going to do is take a quick break. And we when we come back, what we're going to do is talk more about the the benefits to discovery writing versus outlining and how we actually go about the process of doing them both. So again, thank you for tuning in and we'll be right back. Meet Jack Bishop, a normal kid at a normal school who is shocked to discover that he has the unexpected ability to see psychic residue left behind by both murder victims and monsters. When his father is abducted from the mysterious company where he works as head of security, Jack teams up with fellow student and mind reader Alexandra to search for his father and stop the series of murders happening in his hometown before it is too late. Steve Diamond's debut novel, Residue, is a young adult supernatural thriller for readers looking for action, suspense, humor, and horror. Read the book New York Times bestselling author of the Shannara Chronicles, Terry Brooks, calls an intense, high-energy, what-lurks-in-the-shadow tale of monsters, both men and otherwise. Larry Correa, New York Times best-selling author of The Saga of the Forgotten Warrior, says Residue has the best prom scene since Carrie. Residue is available on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Pick up your copy today. 
All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Writer Dojo with myself, Steve Diamond, and my good friend here, Larry Correa. In the prior portion, we were talking about more or less the deficiencies that we both see in outlining and in discovery writing and kind of what they are. But, you know, and, in the, and then there's instances in which we both think they are appropriate or inappropriate. So now what we want to do, though, is we want to tell you why we love our respective choices, so to speak. So, Larry, what I want you to do is I want you to tell me, basically, I need your sales pitch. Okay. Why, why, why outlining? Why, why should I buy your outline, Larry? Well, the reason I prefer outlining is it gives me a chance in advance to think through the story and the problems. And once again, I'm not a hyper-religious outliner, so my outline for a 100,000-word novel is going to be maybe three or four pages. Um, so what I'm going through is I'm hitting the, the beginning, middle, end, a list of some of the characters, uh, some of the character arcs. But the beautiful part is getting all this down on the screen at the beginning enables me to think through the story problems, enables me to think through the issues, uh, enables me to have a coherent roadmap. Um, so I, I feel like discovery writing, you're just heading out across country and you may come across beautiful things. You may wind up at a wonderful destination. Or you may wind up, you know, in Delta, Utah. You know, <laughs> I went to Delta. I went to Delta High. Go rabbits, okay? But it's out in the middle of the desert. And it's, it's, you know what I mean. So the thing is, to me, outlining is gives me a chance to think through all this stuff early on. Uh, gives me a chance to start building all this in my head before I start doing that laborious and time-consuming part where I type. And earlier I mentioned the thing where you you go up the wrong hill. Uh, going up the wrong hill. You now have two options. You can either plow ahead from this incorrect place and go, you know, to someplace you didn't plan, or you can backtrack down the hill, and that means probably deleting a bunch of stuff that you just wrote. And uh, I hate, I hate spending days writing and then deleting it. That is the worst feeling ever. I mean, it happens to all of us guys. You know, it's going to happen. You're going to have to delete stuff. You're going to write scenes that just are crap. That's going to happen. No, ma no matter how well you plan. Yeah. No matter how much of a pro you are, you're always going to end up deleting. There, there are some authors who ne probably never delete scenes, but they probably should. It's just they're, <laughs> they're just they're, they're famous enough they don't have to. Like my biggest mistake on my first novel, Monster Hunter International, is just too long. And if I knowing what I know now, I could have went back. It was a pretty tight novel for a first novel, but there's things I know now that I could have streamlined and made smoother, um, and and I think would have made it a stronger book. But you know, you learn as you go, and uh, the thing is with uh, outlining is you can avoid a lot of those wrong hills in that early portion where you're putting all this stuff down. Um, you'll be like making your outline and go, wait a minute, but if I go here, how do they know this? You know, or wouldn't this be a thing? Now, a lot of this stuff you'll figure out as you're going through, you know, and uh, you'll have to answer the questions. But a lot of times answering those questions is what makes the story interesting. So to me, outlining is just a chance to, to save myself a lot of heartache, is to save myself a lot of screw-ups, and I just find it to be a more efficient use of my writing time. But once again, I'm pretty loose, so if I get partway through that book and all of a sudden it's like, oh man, it would be so much cooler if they did this, I'm going to go back and look at that outline and say, if I change it to this, can I do that? Uh, one of the things I always do is at the bottom of the very bottom of the manuscript, I have what's called to-do list. And the to-do list has just a series of bullet points of stuff oh. I think of as I'm writing that I need to go back and like, ooh, can I do this? Or how does this person know this person? Or why is this this way? 
And it's just these little questions. So I don't want to stop my flow of my work. I go back later and I go through the to-do list. And so it's just kind of like a, basically it's an addendum to the outline, if you will. And that's kind of my, my, my process. So, so that's why I outline it. I find it more efficient and I find it actually helps me with the creativity. Now it's Steve. Let's, let's, let's see, let's see what you think about right. discovery writing. Okay. Discovery writing. It's the magic of it. That's okay. fair. That's, that is fair. It's the magic of discovery, right? Again, when we talk about when you, when you get into a writing process, the why, why am I writing this story? It's because I got excited about something, something whether I misheard a music lyric and it, and it instantly created this crash of lightning in my brain that says, oh, heck, I need to write that story. That's cool. Or I saw a movie and I went, oh, man, that's really cool. But, but what if instead of going this direction, they went this completely other direction? That would be really neat. I should write a story about that. That is, that is true. Or I get this, this, this character idea. Generally, for me, it, it always starts with characters, and we'll and we'll talk about that in a, in a in the next episode. But for me, it almost always starts with a cool character concept. So, for example, my short story in your Monster Hunter anthology. Oh yeah, the Gutierrez mm-hmm. and Fidelity story. So that story is called The Gift. I think it's a pretty good story. It's a, it's a very good story. Now that whole story started with the character concept, including the twist of what's actually going on with the character. And, and obviously, I'm not going to spoil it because I want you to buy the freaking book and the, the collection and read it. Monster Hunter Files. Monster available. Hunter Files, available on Amazon. Go get it yesterday. Buy it twice. Buy one for your friend and your mom and your brother. I'd appreciate it. So I already had this character concept. And so then it was throwing him into the middle of a story and, and discovering his place in that world, in that story. Now, part of the cool thing for me about discovery writing, it's the, it's the continual enthusiasm I have for discovering that story, okay? For me, when I start outlining, um, I always, and, and, and I realize that maybe this is unhealthy, but it always feels like useless work to me. Okay. It's like, why am I, 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 I can be writing this down or I can just write it. And so that, that's where it comes for me. I can, I can totally see that. And, um, no, like one of the reasons I like saying is a combo of the two. Um, I, I find that like that thing where you get that fiery bit of imagination and then you yeah. write the really cool scene. Um, so, so that's where Son of the Black Sword comes from. Uh, even though it was an outline novel, but there's one scene in that book that, that this is how it came about. And this is actually what started the whole project. I was actually working on the novel Monster Hunter Alpha. Uh, at the time, we were building a house, so I was living in this little tiny apartment. Oh, we had yeah. sold our house, and uh, we were building that. a new house. So I was working at the kitchen table on my laptop in this little tiny apartment, and so it sucked. So I had my headphones in so I could, like, drown out my children. <laughs> and uh, we went from, like, a good-sized house to a tiny apartment for six months to a good-sized house again. And uh, so I was writing on this uh, on Monster Hunter Alpha. I was listening to the soundtrack, waiting for uh, the Inception soundtrack oh, yeah, yeah. from Hans Zimmer, who's uh-huh. amazing. I listen to music as I write. As and, do uh, I. Uh, uh, the song was Waiting for a Train. And I had not seen the movie Inception yet. So I had no preconceived images or notions to the music. And I listened to the song for the first time. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I stopped and I went back and I listened again. 
and a scene formed in my head that went with the with with the pacing of that song. And so I actually stopped writing on Alpha and went and wrote a short story, which is basically one scene. It was the um, it was the scene in the Son of the Black Sword where Ashok returns to the uh, the family uh, for the, and they're having a banquet and it turns into a giant knife fight. Mm-hmm. That was the scene. That was the first thing that ever existed for Son of the Black oh, Sword. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's where that came from. And so I wrote that one scene. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then I went and I wrote the rest of Monster Hunter Alpha, but then I let that that thing percolate. And then uh, a couple years later, that turned into Son of the Black Sword. Then, so that's where it came from. So even though that was an outline novel, it was still that thing you talk about, that passion and discovery, that moment of, yeah. that eureka moment mm-hmm. of cool. Um where you're just as a writer, you're just like super excited, and that's gold. When oh, you have it that, absolutely that is is. absolute gold. Now, one of the things that I, that I think that, gosh, you know, I mean, I I think you could tell, even my my experience from when, if we, if we go back and we talk about the stand again, you can tell the parts of the book that I'm excited about, and I think that, I think that as an author, your enthusiasm when you're writing a scene directly translates and and can be picked up by the readers. Absolutely. In fact, this is one of the, I've talked about this many times. It's what I call contagious enthusiasm. Yeah. And what it is, is if you are having fun writing it, the reader will have more fun reading it. If you are hating it as you're writing it, the reader will feel that too. You can't help but put that feeling into the book as you write. Honestly, I think that's, that's one reason, or that's the biggest reason John Ringo is so wildly successful. Because if you know John, the way John writes, the way John creates is a, a total antithesis of me. He's the exact opposite of me as far as creativity. But John will get super enthused, like incredibly enthused about an idea. He'll go and he'll power a story. He'll write 100,000 words in a week. I'm not even joking. It's insane. He'll write like 28 hours in a row, pass out, get up, write 28 hours in a row. That's how he's created a lot of books. But the thing is, while he's doing that kind of like crazy manic, I'm so excited... When you read it, you can't help but feel that crazy, wild, freaking enthusiasm that he had making it. So you read it and you're like, man, I'm enthused. I am excited as a reader because it bleeds through. And you can see the same thing when a writer is having a miserable slog and he is miserably slogging through a book. When you read that book as a reader, what do you feel? Miserable slog. Same thing. Yeah. So, you know, what I wonder here is in... And I'll just ask you this question then. If if you as a writer are going through a, a portion of your book that just feels like a miserable slog, how can we use our outlines, our discovery writing, these tools in our toolkit to, one, change our own perception of the writing that we're going through so that so that our readers don't have to be subjected to, <laughs> to the, the, the bullcrap of the, yeah. the miserable slog. Uh, there's a famous Elmore Leonard quote is skip the skip or don't write the parts that people skim. Yeah. You know, um, honestly, what it comes down to is that's one reason to me outlining is so powerful is because like if I hit a scene and I'm just like, this sucks. I do not want to write this scene right now. I know what the next scene is. <laughs> I can skip ahead to the next part I'm enthusiastic about, and I can go right that. And then a lot of times what will happen is whatever it was that's bugging you, or like usually it's a subconscious thing, like your brain, like you vapor lock. You just don't have, uh, you don't have the ability to process through this scene that you're messed up on yet. So go skip ahead to the next scene that you're excited about and write that. And then when you write that next scene, you know, or a two or three, or you just get going again, and then you'll go back to that scene and make, ah, yeah, now I know how to fix this. 
And a lot of times you can fix it in a way that's like, oh, I can tie it into this cool thing I reveal later. I can tease it now. A lot of times readers think you're really super smart as a writer because you'll tease something early in the book and then there's a big reveal at the end of the book. They're like, wow, you're so smart that you tease that hundreds of pages in advance. No, it's the beauty, beauty of word processing is that I wrote this awesome thing. And like, wow, that was awesome. I better go foreshadow this. I better go foreshadow that 50 chapters ahead. Boom, I am brilliant. <laughs> so to the reader, there was this big gap between the two. But as a writer, we wrote that the same day. You know, that's, right. the, that's the beautiful thing. Uh, but you do it smoothly and the reader never knows. Right. And either way, you're having a good time. You know, it, and I think for the for the discovery writing aspect of it, for me, it's all about... It's all about what that next – so I, I use the phrase when I talk about discovery writing a lot, and I get asked about it quite a bit, believe it or not, um, and that is what do you compare it to? And I say it's like lampposts in the fog, yeah. okay? So while you're walking around, and I'm sure most of you people have, have – most of the listeners have been in an instance where, where you've been either driving or walking – in, in really heavy fog. Oh, man, I grew up in the San Joaquin Valley of California. As did I. As did I. <laughs> right? Yeah, Steve's from Sacramento. I'm from uh, El Nido. So, so it gets, the fog there gets so heavy, so heavy, that it's a literal impediment to, to seeing three feet in front of you. Oh, yeah. It, people, people who aren't, it's the foggiest place in North America. It's, it's ins- crazy. It's crazy. Home of the 150 car pileup. But now what you can see, though, is you can see glimmers of light going out there. So no matter, and, and for me, it's, it's no matter how foggy this path is, I just got to walk that way. I just got to walk towards that light. Now, what that light is, maybe I know, maybe I have some set piece scene in my brain that I'm, look, that I'm loving, or maybe, maybe I'm not quite sure. Maybe I'm hoping for a character development moment. Now, the human brain is an amazing thing in that it's constantly working even when even, even outside of our own real perception, it's always working. It's always trying to solve problems for us. Let it do its job. It's okay. You know what? If I end up going up the wrong hill, that's okay. It's all right. Maybe I'm not going up the wrong hill. Maybe my brain is, is subconsciously telling me it's okay to go up that hill. It's okay to, to, take, that, to take that wrong turn that's going to get you murder killed. It's totally okay. Or when I get up there, if it's not right, you know what? I can edit. That's the beauty of word processing. I can edit. Absolutely. So it's, for me, it's not as simple as the enthusiasm that I have to maintain as a discovery writer is in the, the hope and the faith in, in the result that I'm going, that I'm, that I'm driving towards. Yeah. When I get to that, when I get to that giant lamppost, hopefully and in most cases, it is because the way the human brain works, it's always something really cool and awesome. Yeah, it's Hopefully, it's not just a giant, like, weird anglerfish monster that's going to eat me. See, and there you go with that creativity again with the giant anglerfish monster because that's just awesome. Anglerfish monsters in the fog picking people off. That's, that's badass. I that's, know. That's, we, I should, the, we should write a story about that. We should write the crap out of that. <laughs> no. So I think, I, think, I think we're out of time. But in conclusion, they both work depending on you and your psyche as a writer. And don't be afraid to do both. Yeah, totally. And, and realize, guys, that these are all tools in a toolkit. You know, sometimes, you're, sometimes your screws call for a Phillips head. Sometimes they call for a flathead. Sometimes it's a hex. N- neither of them are wrong. None of them are wrong. 
Sometimes you need all of them. Well, like like we've said many times, and we've only had three episodes of the show, but we think we've said in each one, there's no hard and fast rules. There's just suggestions. Uh, because like I said, we can find really super successful people who do it both ways or a combo. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this one. Um, there's a very realistic possibility we'll come back and revisit this at some point. But for now, uh, again, this is the, the Writer's Dojo. And I'm Steve Diamond, and this is Larry Correa. Thank you so much for tuning in. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Correa. Produced by Jack Wilder and Baron Hare Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries, by Craig Nivo. New episodes come out every Wednesday, wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writerdojo by leaving us a five-star rating or review, and by helping to spread the word. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. Shut your mouth.